Welcome back, friends, to another episode of the Stride Forward Show. This week, I'm really excited to be bringing on Christine Gritman. Christine is a personal branding strategist and also the host of the Let's Talk About Brand podcast. She offers content and branding services to both corporations and individuals alike. She grew up an entertainer on stage and is heavily sought after for her storytelling and keynote speaking abilities as well. In the following conversation, we talk about several things. How to establish authority while still putting your face as the forefront of your brand. The type of people on social media that are most likely to become a client of yours. And how do you start as a generalist and then find your niche and become an expert in that space? Christine also gives us some insights in how she built her shows and how she built her successful podcast. Thanks for listening and on to the show. Christine, thank you so much for coming on the podcast this week. I know we've got the the gift queen, the enthusiasm. I'm super excited for this. Before we get too far into your story, I do want to give you the chance just tell the audience a little bit about you and what you do and and how you help people. Sure. Well, there are so many amazing people out there doing incredible things and people just can't find them. Um, sometimes they can't even find what's incredible about them. So um, I'm a personal branding strategist. I help people pull out what is unique and amazing about them and who needs to hear about it. And then I help them uh, put it out there so that they can be found by the right people who they can help with their gifts. Yeah. And that's as simple and clean as it gets. How long have you been doing this, the personal branding strategy stuff? It's It's been an evolution. So I started Christine Gritman Inc. Um, in May 2016. And at the time, I started just doing social media for local restaurants. And then that evolved into teaching small business owners how to do their own social media better. So I did training for a long time, and I still do a little bit of that. But I realized that the most important part of what I was doing with a lot of the clients and the most satisfying thing I was doing with a lot of the clients was teaching them how to put themselves in the spotlight a little bit more. A lot of people wanted to sort of hide behind their their business or their product or their brand. And I kept telling them, I was like, you are the, you know, differentiating factor of your brand. Someone else does what you do. Definitely. Um, so the so the reason someone's going to pick you over someone else is because you're the one they're rooting for. And and that coupled with the fact that people were really taking notice of my own personal brand, you know, I put two and two together and I figured out, you know what, I think I need to make a switch and become personal branding girl. And so once I made that, I made that switch, I guess about August of 2020 is when I really stepped into it. I um, spruced up my own branding a little bit more. Um, went out and, you know, bought fonts instead of just using, um, you know, freebies online, did a new photo shoot, and I relaunched my show. I had had a live interview show for a few years called Social, and it was just kind of general social media topics. It was more that I wanted to just get smart people on my show. And then I I launched a whole new show instead um, in September 2020 called Let's talk about brand. That has evolved as well. It used to be a live show, and now it is a podcast on the Adweek Podcast Network with a video component on YouTube. And at the same time as I launched the show, Let's Talk About Brand, I also launched a Twitter chat called Chat About Brand on Tuesdays because I love 
Twitter chats. And I feel like they've been dropping like flies. I used to have, you know, so many Twitter chats on my calendar each week. Um, Madeline Sklar's Twitter Smarter Chat is still going strong. Um, but yeah, I, I still love Twitter chats. And I think it's a really valuable opportunity to get my community talking about the same topic as my show guest, because it's great to hear from experts, but it's also really great to lead a discussion, encouraging people to explore these branding, branding topics themselves. So, um, so yeah, so I guess since that time in 2020, I've been Ms. Personal Branding and I, I do some speaking. I work with clients, of course, and I'm in the midst of another shift right now. I, um, my clientele started out being kind of who I was working with before, which was tiny small business owners, you know, businesses that were often one person big. And now I'm looking more at, it's, it's a fine line. There's a lot of overlap there, but I'm really focusing on professionals, people who are at a good place in their career and they're sort of ready to step into the spotlight a little bit more as a person. So sometimes those are executives who are at companies and maybe didn't think about personal branding before since they weren't, you know, a solopreneur or whatever. Um, sometimes it's an entrepreneur who needs to really build their presence in their industry in order for investors to take them seriously. You know, it's about really building that thought leadership among professionals at this point. Um, and it's, and it's really exciting and it's, it's a fun evolution and I'm, I'm excited for this year. Yeah, I'm glad you went ahead and touched on the target audience because I was going to ask you about that too. And and it has shifted and it, and it may shift again. Who knows? I, I'll, I'll go where I'm needed. <laughs> That's a good way to put it. Like follow your energy. I say that on every episode one way or another because it turns out every successful person, which is everyone that's ever come on this podcast, always, always has, oh well, yeah, of course, <laughs> always says like, you know what? I've shifted and I'll shift again because I go where my energy takes me because that's what I'm excited about. Well, one of the cool things about a good personal brand is that if you build it right, you build it in a way that is not specific to one job or one task. Like it's specific in terms of what people know you for, and it's specific in terms of, you know, it's strong and it's recognizable, but it shouldn't box you in. A good personal brand is flexible enough and it's you enough that it can evolve with you. It can it can actually help you through those pivots. When I first started my personal brand, I was a journalist. And, you know, leaving journalism to enter the world of social media, I'd never held a job in social media. You couldn't study social media back when I was in school. I mean, so the only way I was able to make that pivot was because people knew, liked, and trusted me. And, you know, what my this new direction I was going in really squared with what they knew of me. And so all my pivots have worked like that. They have, they have um, really been enabled by that trust and that visibility that I already had. So people were willing to come along with me on the new journey. And it didn't even feel like a new journey to them because when it came down to it, um, what they were following was me and I was still me. Yeah. And I want to, I'll, that's a good point for me to like backtrack to something you said earlier that I really want to underline. I don't want us to like miss out on that. So one of the things you said was, you know, people want to hide behind their business. And I say this all the time, like no one can connect with like this faceless entity. No one can connect with this logo. People connect with the person. So if you're like a solopreneur or a small business owner locally, whatever the case may be, think about the people that care about your business the most besides you. It's probably your spouse, your best friend, your immediate family. Why is that? 
because they care about you. They don't care about your business. They just care about you. So then they indirectly care about your business. That's what you want the internet to feel. You want them to be the same thing. So you have to find the courage to become front and center. So that's how I always phrase that. But it's the same thing. It's excellent spoken. It's something everyone needs to know. Absolutely. I mean, if, if you if you run a boutique in a small town, people can go and find the same items you sell cheaper on Amazon. Why are they buying it from you? Because they're buying your taste. They're buying your curation. They trust that you are going to be carrying the good stuff and that if they go into your shop, they're going to find something special. You know, um, why is someone going to follow you on, on Instagram or something, follow your business, if they're not in the market for your product at the moment? Why do we follow realtors when we're not buying or selling a house? Well, because they're giving us something to follow, ideally. And, and so, I mean, yes, that, that is a little bit social media heavy and a little bit content heavy. But the fact is, it's also about, you know, who's posting it? You. How do they know it's you? Well, that's up to you. Yeah, and in your case, it's owning the entire color red, which is pretty sick. <laughs> yes, that is true. Though I, though I mean, Coca-Cola and Virgin and Target, I mean, they may have something to say about that. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. But they're not, they're businesses. Again, they're not the person. So there's Well, my room. face is also in a lot of my stuff. It's funny because um, for a while on Instagram, I was trying not to be all my face. And, you know, I just looked at the data. Honestly, people were responding to stuff with me in it, like way, way more than, you know, here's, you know, red stuff and my thoughts on life or whatever. Um, and, and so I'm like, you know what, even though it feels weird, I'm just going to do it because it's what people are, are connecting with. And you mentioned at the top of the show, you mentioned the gifts. <laughs> of course. Um, and that's really become a thing. I'm kicking myself like crazy for not having put my name on them. So I think there's going to be there's going to be a redo of the gifts coming up that has my little logo in the corner. But, um, you know, people really recognize me from that every single week without fail. And this has been years, years now that these gifts have been public for public use on the Internet. They have millions upon millions of impressions. And every single week, someone in my life, often someone who isn't connected to my professional life, so they don't know that I'm the gift queen. They will write to me. They'll, you know, do a Facebook DM or something and be like, hey, <laughs> so I was on Slack at work and someone used this GIF and I was like, wait, that's Christine. Um, people sometimes say, did you know that you're a GIF? And, and you know, so it's, it's really funny. Or someone will um, tag me in because they're in some group or in, on Twitter or on Facebook or something. And someone will use one of, one of my GIFs and someone will tag me and be like, hey, that's Christine. <laughs> But again, it's my face and my color and people know it. Yeah. And it so, works. yeah, it works. And I'm, I'm curious to know your thoughts on this because the data doesn't lie. Like when you put your face front and center, like that leads to more engagement and all kind of top of funnel, you know, activity from going down your email list or going to your services. So, but do you have a, a strategy or a particular thought on balancing that putting your face front and center, but then also like knowing your shit, you know, like I'm a real pro at what I do. It's not just a face. Like I do know my stuff. So from a content perspective, how are you balancing that? Honestly, you're a part of that strategy right now. Um, I, I feel like the opportunities that I get, whether it's 
guesting on a podcast, speaking on a real live stage or an online summit, being quoted in an article, something like that. That's social proof really helps a lot because it's saying, hey, I'm not just this. Well, on some level, the fact that I am so visible just on its own displays some degree of me knowing what I'm talking about, because what I'm talking about is getting your brand out there. So I sort of practice what I preach. I'm my own best client in that regard, though I'm my own worst client in many other regards. But um, the social proof like this, I make sure that I promote the heck out of any time that someone is willing to let me share my thoughts and willing to share them with their audiences. Because first of all, that's part of the deal. Um, it drives me crazy when guests don't share. But then also it's, it's social proof and it's giving people an opportunity to hear my words and to hear what I'm saying and to hear me discuss something, hopefully intelligently. And that's also what my show is. That's why my main content is my show. Because it's an opportunity, first of all, I, I do talk on my show, even though mostly interviewing the guest. But then in addition to that, I'm providing that value. I get to learn from experts while simultaneously sharing that knowledge with my audience. And I love that. So um, really, that's how I make sure that I'm always having conversations on the topic, wherever I'm given the opportunity to do so um, when it's relevant and and sharing that so so people can see i'm i'm not just good at selfies <laughs> <laughs> yeah i like to I, I can word good yeah I, word good yeah that's a good way to put it uh i like to put it as like you probably just need or any creator or someone that wants to build their personal brand you need one avenue to get like long form content out there right so like mm -hmm. and for you that's going on shows or podcasts or speaking events and you get to stand up there if someone's willing to give you their attention and you can hold their attention for 30 45 minutes to an hour you've yeah. got that person like period they're going to come back and they're going to come back again and so that's that's how i always think about it just find one long-form channel too it's a gift too i really respect that and i really appreciate that that someone thinks my thoughts are worth hearing um and, and it's interesting because I know a lot of people, and maybe I'll get to this stage at some point, but I know a lot of people, they get really annoyed when someone wants to pick their brain or, you know, unpaid speaking opportunities and things of that nature. And I'm like, you just have to assess those on an individual basis, but I'm really happy to have yet another avenue by which someone can find me, by which someone can hear me. I know people who won't go on podcasts unless they have a certain number of downloads. In fact, I know podcasts that won't have guests on unless they make a certain amount of money. And I just, I, I'm not about that gatekeeping, really. I, I'm, just, I'm just so appreciative of the opportunities that I get to talk about what I love and to geek out over it. And you really never, ever, ever know how someone will find you. You really don't. So um, you can you can improve your odds, but I'm I'm just really appreciative every time I get to geek out on this. Yeah, and every time I just feel like if you can just touch one person, like that's also like part of the really cool aspect of just like creating online and building the personal brand is is you know even if you never blow up huge, no matter who you are, you could impact someone's life like dramatically by putting yourself out there and sharing your story. And so yes. that's always like the coolest effect and you'll never know when the message comes from. Like, I'm sure you get this all the time and I get it too. Uh, every so often is like, people will just message you out of nowhere being like, and they've never commented. They've never clicked like on your post, but then they'll send you a DM and like, I've been following you for months. This is like how I've changed since I followed you. 
and this is what impact has had on me and i'm like whoa like that's kind of crazy <laughs> also the lurkers i feel like turn into clients the most they do you know the people who are kind of most vocal in my audience you know i love them but the fact is it's also it's often preaching to the choir in their case and they may not be as likely to actually hire me because they're kind of swimming in a similar pond but the lurkers, the people who I would have no idea were engaging because they don't have as much of an online presence, which is why they need me. Um, you know, that that's how it goes a lot of times. And, you know, you can't you can't discount that. You have no idea who's watching or what they could mean for your life. Yeah, I always say the lurkers are the ones that are going to turn into clients, too, because the people yep. let's be real. The people in your comments are people, you know, they're your friends, whatever. Or there are other creators that want to get seen or there are other business owners that want to get seen. And that's fine. Like, I love that. I root for everyone. There's a there's a big enough pie for everyone out there. And yeah. like, there's there's no competition from my perspective. But nope, let's I be don't real. I don't even competition at all. Yeah, like, You're but, right for someone or someone else is right for someone. Yeah, but at the end of the day, like, that's who's speaking up in your comments and who's supporting your work and you're supporting their work, right? Like, it's not clients going to come in and be like, this was profound and then comment that and then jump into your dms and throw you their credit card number that's not how it works <laughs> but I'd, I'd love to talk more would be nice yeah that would be great I mean, i'm open to that i'm putting <laughs> that out there into the universe yes that please but yeah that's not that's not a strategy yeah let's play the ariana grande <laughs> and get the manifestation going you know <laughs> <laughs> if you build it they will not come but at the same time if you keep building it eventually people do show up yeah, if you build it and tell them, then they'll eventually show up. That's You got to tell them, though. That's the key. And it can be a slow, slow burn. I've had people who have been in the wings who I didn't know existed for literal years. Years. And then when they're ready, they'll reach out they're, and they're like, hey, I've been following you for years. And, you know, I, th I think I'm ready now. I'm like, oh, that's cool. I'll take that. <laughs> <laughs> well, so let's let's talk about what it looks like when someone's ready because i know you help individuals um but you also do have like a corporate offering too where you come in and help teams yes. as well so can we talk about both of those and maybe what's alike with them and then what's different between them yeah um so the corporate offering is new so that so that's interesting what that is is it it really is more aligned with my the first part is more aligned with my speaking because the first part is just coming into companies, talking to them and their teams about, about industry thought leadership. You know, your industry has leaders and your organization has leaders. And why shouldn't your organization's leaders also be your industry leaders? It's good for your brand visibility. It's good for your brand reputation because these smart people are out there representing you. It's good for employee retention which is counter to the old school way of thinking of if your employees have good personal brands, that means they'll leave you. No, 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 no. If you are supportive of the growth of your employees, they will feel supported. They will feel like they're growing there. They will stay. Furthermore, it's also good for recruitment because people are going to want to work at this great place that has all these smart people at it. So, so yeah, so step one is generally coming in and talking to to businesses and organizations about that and sort of helping them understand why it's important, what it even means, um, and, you know, a little bit of how to do it. But then I also have offerings where I can come in and work either with a team, so that's more of a workshop, on how to do it, 
you know, here's, here's how to pull your digital footprint together. Here's how to make sure that you're showing up in the right spaces, even in real life for networking events. Here's how to make sure you're going to the right events. Here's how to make sure you're taking advantage of the opportunities to put this brand in the right places. But I also will work individually with some executives if they'd like. And that really, um, the way that the executive one-on-ones differ from my one-on-ones with other types of clients is that with the executive one-on-ones, you really do have to keep it solidly within the realm of, um, within the context of the company. You have to make sure that it's not just about this one person going out and being a superstar. It all has to tie back to how does it benefit the company as well? Because the company is paying, (laughs) you know? Um, I want to make sure that they're able to grow their career where they are. So, so that's a very key consideration. Whereas if I'm working with an entrepreneur, I'm working with a solopreneur, I'm working with a consultant, anything like that, you know, it's going to be a different focus. It's going to be a lot more personal. It's, it's going to dig really deeply into who they are, why they're in business, how this actually serves their life, what elements of it light them up. Though that's, though that goes with everything. What elements of the job light you up is really important for the corporates as well. Um, it's going to be a lot more personal with, with, with other people. And it's going to involve a lot more um, of their personality and showing as much of themselves as they're willing to. Whereas with, with a more corporate situation, again, it's going to tie a little more back to, to their position than it otherwise would. I said before, you don't want your personal brand to box you in too much to a very specific circumstance. And that's still true even with the corporates, you know, but... Um, there is a little bit more of a box. <laughs> yeah, you're going to love this one. <laughs> but I can one. work with that. Yeah, you're going to love this one. So the last like agency that I kind of was working with a little bit uh, on this. And so the marketing team ended up building all graphics and all these LinkedIn banners and all kind of stuff for their employees. So they were fully on board, supportive of all that stuff, but wanted to tie it to the business. So, um, but the CFO actually had to have like a private one-on-one like zoom call because he was getting ready to post his first LinkedIn post and he needed help posting it because he didn't know how. (laughs) So it's pretty rough. That is rough, but at the same time, good for him. Yeah. Stepping out there. So I'm glad that they did it. Yeah, no, it's awesome. Like (laughs) that's what you want. He was doing it and I'm glad he was trying to do it himself. Um, a lot of companies, and this is, this is something that I haven't personally I've only personally encountered it once or twice, um, but I'm going to encounter it a lot more than I'm working with businesses. A lot of times they probably are going to outsource some of that. They might outsource some of their content creation and and then, you know, have someone else post it. And I'm going to really encourage them to have their hands in it as much as possible. I am not going to create content for anybody else. I really firmly believe that they can do it. A huge part of what I do with my clients is figure out what they won't hate doing. I know the common wisdom is, oh, you need to do what your audience wants to see. No, you need to do what you won't hate doing because then you'll do it consistently and you'll do it well. Um, So I do try to help them figure out how they can do their own, but I know there's always going to be companies and especially certain industries like finance, for example, where there's, you know, regulatory stuff or what they can and can't say. A lot of times they just find it easier to outsource and I get it, but 
I, I really do insist on some degree of personal touch in there. And I really need them to know what is being put out in their name because hopefully it will start conversations. The whole point of content is not to just, you know, put it out there and have it consumed. The point of content is to start a conversation. That's the ultimate goal. Um, and so I, I really do encourage people to do as much as they can themselves. And even if they can't, you know, even if you are high up in that corporate tower and, you know, you have a team writing stuff to make you sound smart, you have to be able to speak to it. I absolutely insist on that. I'm like, this has to have some tie to what you actually know and can speak intelligently about. And if someone talked to you about that post right now, you'd need to not sound like an idiot. Yeah, no, that's the thing. And like, especially with, we see so many like solopreneur style, like ghostwriting now is how it's termed, which is really just glorified social media management in my world. But uh, we see a lot of that. And then when people start reaching out because they notice the post, then the individual behind it is kind of like, what do I do? <laughs> and that's always- I ghost wrote, I yeah. ghost wrote for a thought leader. It was interesting. I really found out that he didn't know anything. He just surrounded himself with good peeps. He was a good curator of thought leaders, shall we say. He was an excellent curator of thought leaders. He had good people around him. And um, yeah, but in, in terms of his own thoughts, <laughs> well, as long, I'm sure you did a good job of hiding that for him publicly, which is all that from your side. I got paid, you know. Hey, it is what it is. <laughs> so let's um, go back to like more of your uh, speaking history because I really want to learn about that. So have you always been like this naturally um, good person on stage and well-spoken or was this something you used to struggle with or maybe find difficult to get started? Because I used to hate public speaking. And so I'm like really grit and bearing like all the way through starting the podcast even most recently like it's never been like my primary strength so has that something you've always loved to do command the stage or it's just something you've built over time well i used to perform i i, I used to do theater i used to sing um so being on stage is something that i've done though i there used to be a lot more fear involved i could do it i could get past the fear um through practice, but it's, there used, it used to be there a lot more than it is now. It really, it practice, practice is what really does it. And honestly, my biggest tip on that, absolutely biggest, biggest tip is that the audience wants you to succeed. They're rooting for your success. You're essentially driving the bus they're traveling on when you are, you know, on stage with that captive audience at that audience at that event. You know, they're not watching a NASCAR race. They're not rooting for you to crash and burn. They want their time to have been well spent. They are hoping that you're going to be good, um, which which can, you know, tip over into a whole other level of anxiety of what if I disappoint them. But the fact is they're primed to be pleased. <laughs> so that really helps. Remembering that everyone in that audience is is rooting for me and admiring me. Um, because first of all, if you are, if you have the honor of being on a stage, it means someone has already given you their seal of approval as someone with thoughts worth sharing. So that's kind of cool. And then there's the fact that public speaking is listed as a top fear that humans have. You know, it's, it's greater than fear of heights. It's greater than fear of all sorts of stuff, greater than spiders. You know, people 
really are terrified of public speaking. And so the fact that you're up there doing it already is admirable. Um, though I will say respect your audience by having good thoughts and by thinking about not what you want to say so much as what will benefit them to hear. Something that they can take with them and actually execute upon in their own lives. Um, I think that's very, very important. One thing that I do have as a failing, and I, I, I realized this last year, I, I kind of naturally do all right on a stage. You know, I can have a good stage presence. I can speak charmingly or whatever. I can find the right words. I can, you know, whatever. But I, I realized last year that I really wasn't putting work in. I was just up there talking about what I knew and, and I knew I could just kind of do it. And yeah, I'd throw some slides together, but in the past year, I've really started studying it. I've said, you know what? I have hit a threshold with what I can achieve based on natural ability. So now I have started putting more work into my presentations. I will think about them way farther in advance. I still don't quite script, but I come the closest to scripting that I ever have before. Um, I really, I try not to go too crazy with slides because ideally if you're giving a talk, you want people paying attention to you, not to a whole ton of words behind you. So I try to be as minimal as I can with the slides while having them support what I say as well as possible. But if you're going to do that, that emphasizes how much you need to plan like you really you because you're not like reading a powerpoint you know <laughs> if you're if you're gonna hold their attention you gotta make sure you know what you're saying when and you don't need to be looking at the slide to know what the hell you're supposed to say at this point so i really am working on kind of the structure of it the showmanship of it every event i've attended in in the past several years but especially in the past year, a huge part of what I'm studying is their showmanship on stage because seeing a really good talk, you know, it is a performance, but then also the quality and structure of the information being presented. And I have like this internal scorecard every time I see someone speak now and, and it's really cool. And it's going to up my game this year for sure. Like one thing I never do, I never have like statistics and data. And now I do, because um, I realized, you know, I can just find stuff that fits what I want to say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's there's stuff out there to support it. You know, the stuff I'm saying is definitely not untrue. I just have to find some validation for it. And it is so easy to find validation for it because I know what I'm talking about. But that has been new. For me and that's something that i've really discovered the best speakers do they they make sure that they they have what they want to say they have their point it comes from their own brilliant brain but then they back it up and they illustrate for for the data heads out there who won't be convinced by your charm they need to be convinced by sort of this external validation so i'm i'm, I'm getting there it, it it's a very different speaker christine this year than there's ever been before um and and it's exciting, and it also sort of uh, quashes the one bit of fear that I do have when I'm stepping on a stage, which is, crap, I should have prepared better. And then I go out there and I do fine. Like, I never learn because I go out there and it's good, but I would like to not even have that moment of, crap, I should have prepared better. Yeah, I, I've definitely run into that, and it 
causes me the most anxiety. So, I mean, my background is like financial analytics. And so delivering presentation to C-suite members around all of the data of their company. And so you get up there and you have to balance like, well, I have to be able to explain the data, but also I don't want it to be super boring. Fortunately, they have heavily vested interest in the data. So it's kind of works out in my favor a lot of the times when it's that situation. So at least there's that. But so much of it is just holding attention through storytelling too, just finding something you can always lean on. So you have the data, you have the story, and if you can tap into both of those things simultaneously, that's when you're getting really freaking good. <laughs> so let's segue into your shows. You have three, and I want to talk about them in more detail. I know you touched on them earlier. So you, you have the Twitter spaces, you have the main podcast, and then you have the Friday show as well, I believe. Can we talk a little bit about the differences and more of the story behind how each of those three kind of came to be? Absolutely. So I'll start with the video. Um, even though that's the least important part of the three now, it is where it all started. Um, I actually had beta access to Facebook Live back in the day because I was a journalist which was very cool. So I liked playing with live. That was when live was very exciting and new. People were like, oh my God, it's live? What? It's happening right now? It's hard to imagine, but it was very exciting. So I was playing with that already. I, I saw that it had a, a really new and exciting way of connecting with people. And then in April of 2017, shortly after attending um, my first huge marketing conference, I was like, I'm, I'm going to start a live show. I met some really important people. I met some speakers, you know, and I was like, this is really cool. I want to have them on my show. They actually were willing to talk to me. So I'm going to use, use them <laughs> sort of bolster my non-existent at that time reputation and get them on my show talking about stuff. Plus it's an opportunity to learn from them. That's what I love about interviewing people. I get to learn from them and get content out of it. It's win-win. So that's how social started. And I can attest and, to that. And, <laughs> you just yeah, you bring it, awesome people on your show. You just get to be like, what about this? And they tell you their expert opinion. You're like, that's awesome. And then you go write about it the next day. <laughs> it's beautiful. Um, so yeah, so that's what I did for a few years. And it was kind of general. It was just on social media in general. And I was kind of a generalist. So that worked. But it, it didn't really have a cohesive uh, point of difference. And then by 2020, so I always take August off from my shows because no one's around anyway. So, um, so 2020, I, I was really increasing. First of all, by that point, live video was no longer new. So people were doing it. There were plenty of shows out there. Why watch this one? There are a lot of shows that are just kind of general like that. Um, so there was that element of it. And then there was the fact that I was realizing that people have been telling me for years, oh, niche down, niche down. And I was like, but there's value in being a generalist. And I really believed that. And there was for me. But then when increasingly everything in my path was just screaming at me that personal branding was the thing, I, I realized, okay, this is an opportunity to kind of niche down and, you know, what's the point of this show? Well, this is the point of this show. It's about personal branding. I didn't know people who had shows on personal branding. So that's how um, I stopped doing social and started doing Let's Talk About Brand. And for the first two seasons, so 2020 through 2021 and then 2021 through 2022, it was a live show. 
Social had been a Facebook live show. Let's talk about brand. I think from the start was simulcast on Facebook and Twitter and YouTube and LinkedIn. And there's reasons to simulcast and not to simulcast. The reason to not is because you want to be a destination and you want to grow your audience and your viewership in one place. The reason to simulcast is you just want to get as many eyeballs on it as possible and meet people where they are. And that's what I decided I wanted for Let's Talk About Brand, especially since Twitter was not a great place for video, but it was the place where I had the strongest network, uh, plus LinkedIn. LinkedIn Live was pretty new at that time, so it, it did stand out that I had a LinkedIn show. Um, I said, let's just see how this goes. Let's just see where it hits. Um, and there are definite differences between the platforms. Absolutely. I had the most silent viewers on LinkedIn and the most comments on Facebook. Twitter got nothing. Um, but it did get views. No, Twitter got views and just people didn't comment because that, that wasn't something they were used to doing. I don't know. They're just very different. And my Twitter always was kind of dead in the water. But so that's what it was for the first two seasons. And then for this, for season three which I guess started um, September 2022, I decided I wanted to play a bigger game. Um, live shows were, again, kind of kind of dipping in, in popularity and specialness. And it was a lot of work. It was a lot of work to do it live. You know, if the guest shows up late, you're panicking. Uh, you know, the, if the Wi-Fi isn't strong, you know, there was a lot. And plus it meant that I was committed to something every single Friday in that time block. If I was traveling, I had to figure out what to do, you know. So I decided, first of all, the show would no longer be live, which was a big deal for me because I loved, in theory, that connection of being live. But in actuality, most of my views were on the replay. And I said, why am I doing all this extra work when people aren't even showing up that much live? Um, I also decided I'd go back to just one platform for the video, I said, you know, even though YouTube is the weakest here, I think it has the most long-term potential. So I said, you know what, I'm just putting the video on YouTube and this will be how I grow my YouTube. Hasn't worked yet, but <laughs> we'll get there. And then another thing I said is, you know, this would make a good podcast. And people had told me that for years. In fact, I did a solid um, three months of my old show, Social, as a podcast as well. Um, I would just, you know, I'd have my live show on Friday and then I'd put it up Monday as a podcast. And um, now that I have more perspective on podcast downloads, it didn't do too badly, but I didn't know how to promote it. I was promoting the show, the live show, so heavily, and I didn't really know how to promote the podcast properly. And I'm a one-man band over here, so I didn't have the bandwidth also to do it well. So I'd stopped that, but, you know, I gave it some more thought and I said, you know, I could make this work. And I had since found out about podcast networks. Podcast networks provide some additional support, different types of support, depending on which one you join. And you get ads in them from the get-go, yeah. <laughs> which is nice. So I was like, I can monetize the podcast from the very start. At the moment, it buys, like, dinner. But still, <laughs> um, you grow that. Look, and, I'll take I mean, free dinner work, any day, okay? I mean, right? <laughs> it, it means the work you put in actually does have a tangible result besides hopefully driving business and other opportunities. So I said, you know what? I want to do a podcast, and I want it to be the podcast is the primary thing now, not the video. 
and I want to be on a podcast network. And I already had a relationship with Adweek. They had um, this thing called their Creator Network that I was a part of. Um, that program actually just ended, but still, I had relationships there already. And they thought it was pretty unique. They thought that it fit in well with um, their interests. And the fact that there was a, a chat along with it and a video was kind of unique and interesting. So I joined the podcast, uh, the Adweek Podcast Network, um, which made things easier also because they didn't have to figure out, you know, oh, where am I going to host it? What am I going to do with it? No, it's, they just take care of it. And, and so when I debuted season three in September, I actually did do the first episode as a live video. Um, but I, I made the announcement that that wasn't how it was going to be generally. <laughs> and then the following Monday, I released two podcasts, the podcast of that Friday live show, but then also the, I started the official, like, okay, podcast drops on Mondays thing. Um, one thing I'm, I'm still working my way through is that as part of the agreement, they also wanted, um, us to put up the podcasts of the first two seasons, but those require a little bit of editing. I have a little vocal on the front end that I do saying this podcast episode was originally recorded as a live stream in 2020 has been edited from its original format. Um, I used to do giveaways on my live show. So I have to go in to each episode and find out if I talked about the giveaway and edit that out. So it's been taking a little while to backfill that. But anyway, um, but yeah, so that's really the balance now. On Monday, I drop the podcast. On Friday, the video version of the podcast goes up. I try to hype it every day in between. Um, and the Twitter chat, chat about brand. That's on Tuesday. It is the best hour of my entire week. I love it to death. Um, I was at a conference two weeks ago, and I was literally standing there in the keynote room listening to the keynote and participating in my chat <laughs> <That's> <laughs> because awesome. I I love it. And so, um, so what it is is basically – so my podcast, I am interviewing a guest expert on a specific element of branding that is within their wheelhouse. And I love hearing from the expert. I love learning from the expert. I want to get people thinking and talking about how this topic is relevant in their own lives, their own careers, their own branding. And that's where chat about brand comes in. It's an opportunity to have a curated conversation. So um, I come up with seven questions. I studied the cadence of many a Twitter chat before launching my own. Everything from, you know, how long before question one, because there's all the, you know, welcoming people and the warm up and showing the rules and blah, blah, blah. Um, so everything from, you know, how soon do you get to the questions to how far apart are the questions? Because I've been on chats where there are too many questions too close together and you can't really catch your breath or have a conversation or respond to anyone else's answers. Um what goes in between, how much promo of other things in between questions is cool, and how much of it is annoying and distracting. And um, I've been really happy. I don't think I've really changed much in three years, because I think I really kind of like the flow of my chat. Um, yeah, I really enjoy it. It's it's really fun. Uh, there's people who come pretty much every week. There's people who come and go. And I think it's just a fantastic opportunity to get people talking and thinking about the topics. I'm sad that Twitter got rid of moments because that was kind of nice to compile the highlights of the chat. But I'm about to start um, putting them in a blog. So so that's going to help. And I, and I have a um, 
weekly email that goes out. My weekly email used to be about all sorts of things. Now it's focused. It's a little note from me about the topic of the week and my thoughts. Then it's, you know, hey, watch the show. Here's the guest. Um, here's last week's in case you missed it. And then there's a little bit, if I have other stuff, like when I'm on, when this show <laughs> releases that I'm, that we're talking on right now, that's going to be in there too. But generally it's pretty focused on the podcast and it's improved my open rate a lot because people know what they're getting. And I just started a LinkedIn newsletter as well. That's slightly different because that's going to be on Fridays. So my emails go out on Mondays, you know, Hey, new episode this week. The LinkedIn newsletter is on Fridays and it includes highlights from the podcast discussion as well as highlights from the chat. So it really kind of gives you some information while still encouraging you to go and actually consume the show. Um, so yeah, and, and as we were talking about before we um, started recording here, I did just hire somebody to help me repurpose content for, for promo because I've just not been doing that. And that's bad. Like I would tell a client who had a show and a podcast they were trying to promote, I'd be like, well, you have to promote it. And the best way to promote it is to take that rich content and spit it off and do a whole bunch of clips and blah, blah, blah. You know, the cobbler's children have no shoes. I, I just kept not doing it. So I'm excited that I will have someone helping me do that now. Um, and it's also someone who knows how to actually make your podcast benefit you. Like the first thing she said to me is she said, the link, the link on, you know, each of your episode notes on, you know, everything you post about it, the link is to your podcast site. You got to be linking to your services, girl. You need to be telling people. And if you want to work with me, here's how. Like that should be first and foremost. You know, I am a professional. You can work with me. By the way, check me out here and there and I'll play. So I, I had not been using it to drive business at all. And um, yeah, again, I'm my own worst client in a lot of ways. So thankfully I have someone whipping me into shape and hopefully growing this thing so that it provides opportunities for me while continuing to educate people because I really do love that element of it. I think it's really fun that everyone gets to um, learn about this topic, I think is pretty important. Oh yeah, I think it's the future. So there's so much good to unpack there. It's almost impossible <laughs> to get my brain to pick where to start. Uh, I will start here because it's something I've been struggling with too, or uh, recently through business, since I've started creating content on my own and building my own brand, is that thing where you know how you mentioned you're like, you're doing the live show on Friday and you're locked to that certain time block. And it doesn't matter what you're doing, where you're going, where you're traveling, like that's your commitment. And so you also mentioned how much you love the Twitter spaces and how it's not a problem there. So my thing is whenever you start something new, I often recommend don't lock yourself in to a specific cadence because it might turn out to just, a, you get a few weeks in and it totally crushes your spirit and you don't want to do it anymore, but you feel like you have to rush it out. So my very first newsletter that's what happens. So I love writing long form and I obviously see the value in writing long form content, but I would go to write these long form pieces every week. And sometimes it just didn't click and then you have to scratch it. And then you end up, what ends up happening is you rush it out, whatever your content is, and then the quality suffers. And so it's like, why are you doing this? You didn't enjoy it and it's not good. So eh, <laughs> like, don't do that. I guess I can see that. But the problem is then 
how do you become a destination? Like, I liked the fact that for all the years I had a live show, I just drilled it into everyone's head. Friday noon Eastern, Friday noon Eastern, Friday noon Eastern. I just owned Friday noon Eastern for, for a long time. Um, so I, I felt like that was helpful because I, I have a friend who has a show that's, I think, once a month, and I never remember it. I never remember when her show is going to be on because it's not it's not part of her recurring schedule. So, um, but I, but I mean, I can see from the creator standpoint, you know, see what works for you before locking yourself in. But I, I'd say also there's something to consistency and to people knowing where and how they can find you. That said, I mean, my my email definitely. <laughs> <laughs> but that's exactly what I mean, though. Figure out. If this is what you want and then lock it in i i like there's there's a lot yeah, but to you can said. play first and yeah. no one else notices the way that you do so you notice oh i was doing this every week and then i stopped for three months and now i'm back everyone's gonna be like what happened no one noticed yeah no one no one <laughs> follows you as closely as you think they do like if you miss a newsletter Never, issue ever. it'll be okay but so that's why i say but the best time to experiment is immediately like don't Put yourself in a cadence when you don't know what life might unfold or how long it might take if you're still new. Uh, figure that part out when it's early and there's not as many people paying attention. And then once you get that groove, then you lock it in and you build and scale. Like that's how I view it now, and that's usually what I recommend. So, yeah, Christine, this has been awesome. There were so many great nuggets and clips I'm going to have to pull from. You gave me a month's worth of content ideas. <laughs> Woohoo! I know we've talked about it a lot, but before we sign off, just one last final summary for you. Where can everyone find you? Uh, how can they get in touch? Well, one lovely thing is that I am the only Christine Gritman out there. Very helpful. So Gritman is spelled G-R-I-T, like when something's gritty, like sand, and M-O-N is like Monday. And so I am Gritman.com. I am... C. Gritman on Twitter and Instagram, Christine Gritman Inc. on Facebook and YouTube and LinkedIn. Of course, also just Christine Gritman on LinkedIn. Um, and Let's Talk About Brand can be found on every podcast player there is. So definitely check out Let's Talk About Brand wherever you listen to your podcast. Subscribe so you get notified about that new episode every Monday. If you love it, please do review it so that people can find it. And, um, yeah, and join us on Tuesdays for Chat About Brand over on Twitter. Twitter is still there. Um, some people feel like if they still log on to Twitter, Elon wins. But, you know, really, I win. So come join us. Share your thoughts. Awesome. Yeah, that's that's how I feel about Twitter, too. Like, I love the people there. But at the same time, like, dang, Elon, eh. <laughs> whatever. But he's, he's wrecking it. But at the same time, he's going to get tired of this game. So. I think so, too. But everyone, thank you so much for listening. I will put Christine's link down in the show notes as well. So you can easily go to all those places and we'll see you in the next episode.